a young perspective on hot-button issues around the world. This is The Hub. Hello and welcome to The Hub. I'm Wang Guan in Beijing. The year of the loon, otherwise known as the dragon, rings in with a roaring start. And the Chinese New Year holiday saw a record upsurge in travel and consumption. 13-plus million of in- and outbound travels. Over 632 billion yuan, that is 89 billion U.S. dollars of domestic tourism spending. And the record 8 billion yuan, that is 1.1 billion U.S. dollars of box office revenue. The Spring Festival has just offered a window on China's economic growth and reality. What signs can we read from these data? Is it heralding some structural change and even an upward momentum of growth to shed light on these trends of China's Spring Festival and the Chinese economy? I'm joined in Beijing by Hanhua, President of Beijing Belt and Road Cooperative Community. In London, we have Andy Mock, Senior Research Fellow at the Center for China and Globalization. And in Haikou, Hainan, we have Chen Jiahe, CIO at Nova Market Technologies. Welcome to all of you. Uh, great to have you back on our show. First of all, uh, let me start by asking you uh, of your reading on this number. Uh, that is uh, one of the biggest uptick in recent memory uh, when it comes to consumption during the Lunar New Year holiday. 19% increase in domestic trips and 7.7% up uh, in tourism spending. Um, do you think this momentum will be here to stay or is this more of a, a cyclical uh, Lunar New Year phenomenon. Well, it's actually, I didn't just read the number, I felt the number, because I'm in Hainan myself, and I saw all these tourists rushing in, you saw the supermarkets, and you talk to the, you know, the, 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 the tellers there, you, you, you talk to the shoppers, and you say, how's the business this year, and they say it's marvelous, it's been increased so dramatically. So you can just feel this data just by myself, because I'm right in the center of this uh, tourism market, you know. Uh, and this actually give, give us quite a lot of confidence, So we, because we are investors in the stock market, so we bought a lot of shares right after the spring festival. Um, well, thank goodness the market didn't rise up too much in the first trading day. So we completed all the tradings in the first trading day. You know, we thought maybe there would be a 10% or 15% increase, but we didn't expect a 20 or even, you know, if you look at Hainan market, that has been about 30 plus uh, percentage increase. So we didn't see that coming. So it really looks like the economic growth momentum is stronger than expected in the beginning of this year. Yeah, Jiahe, you have been in the investment circle for many years. You advise uh, many uh, high net worth individuals as well as uh, many agencies. Uh, so you're basically saying that uh, it is time to buy the dip? Well, we do like the companies. We are currently 100% investing in both the Asia and the Hong Kong markets. We don't use any leverage because we try to avoid the risk of uh, possible fluctuations. But for our own money, we are 100% investing because if you look at the Chinese market, okay, we have a GDP growth rate of 5.2% last year amid so many difficulties, like we were just working out of the COVID uh, back at the first quarter of the year. We got a sluggish real estate market. We got a fluctuation global trading market. Yeah, good to hear, good to hear, really good to hear. I think uh, very comforting for people who are still uh, you know, in the thick of it, uh, you know, having uh, investment in the stock market over there. Uh, President Han Hua, let me turn to you. These are impressive numbers, 13 plus million of inbound and outbound trips domestically and uh, overseas, over, six, over 600 billion yuan, that is 89 billion US dollars of tourism spending. Uh, box office uh, moviegoers over there. What are your readings of these numbers? The consumer behavior in the holiday season usually reflects their confidence 
and they are moving patterns towards the, the domestic as well as the international economy situation. So this year's Spring Festival for Chinese consumers in particular indicates that it's a very good wrapping up of last year's their confidence and their recovery in their confidence in the China's economy, as well as their forecast, not so bad forecast for this new year's economic growth. This is a general picture. And in particular, it shows that the Chinese consumers are spending more in the tourism, in entertainment, in media and entertainment, in other industries that are traditionally spent in the, uh, in the holiday season, but also indicates that they are diversifying their consumption in various industries. And this, talking about the visa-free policy, I always think it is a two-way street. Not only the Chinese tourists are ignoring the traditional destination of tourism, such as Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, but also China is giving the visa-free policy to many European tourists. So they are encouraged to visit China to help boost the domestic consumption as well. So it is a two-way street. And down the road, I think not only the tourism industry, but also the industries related to tourists, as well as the industries far beyond the tourism industry, such as real estate sector, can, can also be boosted through this kind of economy recovery. For example, I'm hearing about my you know, friends talking about buying properties in Singapore or in Thailand because the latter is giving Chinese tourists or Chinese consumers a permanent visa-free policy. So it is not a dream at all to having some properties overseas, like in Singapore, in Thailand, or even in some European countries, as long as you know these mutual beneficial policies can be encouraged more. Yeah, yeah, Madam Hanghua, when you talk about these uh, unilateral visa exemption, uh, you know, China has actually been uh, granting uh, transit uh, visa-free travel for, for uh, people from many countries, uh, for example, Japan, but uh, unilaterally uh, opening its borders to seven, some seven, eight, uh, I can't remember correctly, but um, um, seven, eight uh, Schengen countries. This is, this is unprecedented. And uh, you know, last time I was boarding a train from Frankfurt to Beijing, it was full of European passengers. Uh, do you think this will go a long way in perhaps um, uh, gradually attracting more Chinese, uh, more foreign visitors, students, investors back to China? Yes, you know, the post-pandemic is a totally different world, in my opinion. Before pandemic, China is certainly a destination or tourism attraction for many foreign tourists. But after the pandemic, after lockdowns in many countries, including China, this kind of mutual exchange is certainly stopped. So thanks to these visa-free policies, especially for the one-side visa-free policy from the Chinese side to the European countries, like you mentioned, the Shenzhen countries, seven in particular, and probably more in the future. Because I also heard my friends talking about my my friends from Croatia, my friends from Serbia are talking about, you know, encouraging their governments to apply for these visa-free policies for their tourists, for their consumers to go visit China, uh, you know, because of uh, to to encourage their governments to to apply for this visa-free policy. So, in terms of the European country as a whole, maybe it's not easier or 
but maybe it takes time for the Chinese consumers to go with a free visa. But I can see down the road if the Chinese government is moving a step forward and having the China foreign tourists to visit China first, I think it could be a to yeah, that is the hope. Um, Andy, Mark in London, the UK, uh, greetings. Uh, how do you read the uh, Lunar New Year uh, consumption and travel data? And uh, do you think they're precursors of bigger things to come? Uh, what does those numbers tell you about the state of the Chinese economy? Sure, Wang Guan. Well, I would say that we're seeing the juxtaposition of still a rebound uh, from post-COVID, uh, but also these longer-term powerful structural trends where the Chinese tourist is a very powerful engine for the global tourism industry and also policy changes, as we've just heard, that uh, tourism is a two-way street, the outbound Chinese tourists uh, is very, very important for a number of global markets. Um, you know, we've seen uh, statistics reported uh, from 100, 200, even 800 percent increase in travel bookings in places like Singapore and Bangkok. Uh, personally speaking, I was just in Iceland. I was in Reykjavik earlier this week. Wow, lucky and you. Even Yes, yes, beautiful place. But even there, in some of the more uh, off the beaten track places, you can still hear Chinese spoken. I ran into <laughs> Chinese tourists everywhere I was. So even uh, in less well-known destinations, of course, London, New York, Tokyo, Paris. This is fantastic news. Hot yeah. spots. Yes. So I, the last thing I would say that Wang Guan is these policy changes as well, uh, making it easier and uh, for foreign tourists to come visit uh, China. And I think one other piece that I hope to see uh, is greater number and frequency of flights. And I think this will definitely strengthen, I think, the already uh, promising policy environment for foreigners to come to China, whether they're students, uh, business people, retired people, uh, that uh, I think the pieces are all falling into place. And this is a very positive signal for the Chinese economy overall. But Andy, talking about, uh, you know, making more expats, foreign visitors uh, feel at home here in China. Uh, what do you think is the room for improvement? Because I have expat friends living or visiting China, and sometimes they got complaints. They complain that, for example, they cannot link a Visa or MasterCard to their WeChat Pay. They can do Alipay now, but not quite WeChat Pay. And in this Chinese cashless or fastly becoming cashless society, without WeChat Pay, I mean, it's very difficult to go places. Absolutely, Wang Guan. So there are, of course, I think a number of uh, what I would say micro uh, changes that can be made. Of course, payment is very important. The ability to, as seamlessly as possible, uh, function effectively in China using Alipay, WeChat, Wallet. The other thing that I would share is that I was very struck and impressed uh, with Iceland that in Reykjavik, from the second you land, there is free Wi-Fi access. There is Wi-Fi access on the buses. So as a foreigner visiting there, you don't have local phone service typically. So one thing I think is making that universal. Um, the ease availability of buying local SIM cards, for example. So when you land 
uh, in London at Heathrow Airport. There's a booth where you can buy a local SIM card. So these are, I think, very, very detailed type things that are not so much macro policy issues, but certainly I think they matter a lot uh, for the uh, local uh, for foreign tourists visiting anywhere, that that seamless, uh, stressless experience is very, very important. I think certainly there's room uh, for further developments uh, in China along for, those for, lines. For sure, for sure. Uh, we want um, our expat friends to feel at home and uh, to have more of a hassle-free and, uh, you know, uh, like you said, the trouble-free experience here in China. Uh, Jiahe, let me turn to you in uh, southern China. Um, talking about the Chinese economy, there are many theories going around these days. Some say China peak uh, a theory that is very popular, getting traction in the West, uh, that is saying that the Chinese model of growth is finally running out of steam. Um, do you think they have a point? What are your predictions about uh, the Chinese economy uh, going forward? Well, personally, I think I've been hearing that the, you know, uh, very pessimistic views about the Chinese economy ever since I was a student uh, back in the middle school, you just read the articles. And that's probably not the earliest time you started hearing about that, because uh, it, I, I, think, I think I found the earliest article back in 1990, kept on saying that Chinese economy is hitting its end. Uh, and if, you, if you've been looking at the news every, every year, you, you, you have been hearing about this for over three decades. And if you believe in that, you would lose all the wealth that it can generate from the capital markets here. Uh, if you look at the per capita GDP in countries around like Japan, uh, South Korea, Singapore, you see Japan having like uh, 45,000. South Korea got over 30,000. Singapore, which is a small country, got about 80,000 USD per capita. So China is way lagging behind these very similar societies. And if, if you go to Japan back 100 years ago, you see people using Chinese without all their writings. So these societies are very similar, but we've got a very low GDP right now. So if you look at the growth potential of the Chinese economy, you see uh, we, at least we can increase by another 200%. Right, fair enough. Um, President Hanhua, if you zoom in on the consumption during the Chinese New Year, uh, China's box office hit a, a new holiday week record of about 1.1 billion U.S. dollars uh, as more than 160 million uh, moviegoers um, packed themselves into cinemas uh, with wider coverage in lower tier uh, cities. Um, what do you think uh, these patterns tell us about uh, people's options and um, you know, their confidence in the Chinese economy. I've been watching the movie industry for almost uh, over a decade. And, uh, and it is not a surprise at all for the Chinese movie market to exceed the US movie market one day. So the only question is when. But before the pandemic, it is almost the same between the two markets, the US market as well as the Chinese market. The only difference is that the Chinese market is more of a domestic market where the U.S., the Hollywood movies in particular, are grossing worldwide. So this is the potential that the Chinese movies are need to catch, catch up. But after the uh, pandemic, it seems, it seems that the picture of the movie bar market of the box office revenue is changing a little bit with what I called a, you know, a movie market or an entertainment industry with more... Chinese characteristics. In one particular, Chinese movies, in especially in the Spring Festival, the box office revenue indicates that we are providing more almost to every genre of the movie industry. We have the women encouraging movie, 
We have the Law and Order movie. We have comedy movie. We have almost movies from all different sectors, and then we have female director Hu Jialing, who is also the leading, you know, uh, uh, world female director with the who most. Who has lost fifty uh, kilos in one year? Uh, wow. Yes. Also, he lost the, the the weight so much, which is such a significant story, encouraging story for the young females and for the movie directors. For me, yeah, also, for everyone. She she she's leading. She's leading the box office not only for the female director section but also for the all director section. So this is very encouraging for the Chinese movie directors, for the、uh, industry players in every sectors. To move forward together to build the Chinese moving market, not only a leading world market, but also with certain Chinese characteristics, because we are providing more content, we're providing more quality content, we're enjoying a high quality development in the movie industry, and that the related industry are also developing at the same time. So this is a strong indicator, and this is also the showing that the Chinese consumers. Are having more choices in their media, culture, entertainment consumption, and they are in return are boosting the movie industry from their perspectives. Thanks to the Little Red Book, thanks to the other online platforms, which are contributing the promotion and the branding and the marketing together. So again, it is a two-way street. So the Chinese consumers are pushing the Chinese movie players. To have more efforts, to play more efforts, not only from the capital level but from the content level, and also in return, the movie industry are re,、uh, are respecting and are responding to this market demand. So it's a perfect match between the supply side and the demand side. Yeah, this is so good to see a vibrant.、Um Movie market in China and across Chinese cities. Andy,、uh, let me turn to you. According to DSB.CN, that is a uh, major uh, e-commerce website、uh, gathering data of、uh, Chinese consumers.、Uh, it is the Times of the word is、um, you know Pingti, which means an affordable substitute,、uh, a cheaper alternative. That has been、uh, you know a phenomenon that has been occurring、uh, with Chinese consumers. Uh, for example, over one thousand six hundred and eighty-eight platform has surged over one thousand five hundred percent year on year in January. But Chinese consumers now focus on goods with、um, perhaps the equal amount of value, but、uh, less expensive and more affordable. And they're spending,、uh, you know, they're creating more ways to buy them. For example,、uh, what do you make of this phenomenon? Some call it a downgrading of consumption. Sure, and I think that、um, this is certainly being seen、uh, in different parts of the economy by different players. You know, another, I think, example is Starbucks reporting a significant increase in China revenue, but the number of transactions was actually double. So, meaning that there were more people coming, but they were spending less per order. So, it's a positive in that revenues up,、uh, transactions are up, but.、Uh, The consumers are not spending as much, but more are coming in. So I think we certainly do see this phenomenon on Guan. But again, I think that China is such a diverse economy that at the same time we also see、uh, a demand for higher-end luxury goods as well. So, for example, 
uh, what some investors see besides investing directly in Chinese equities, see that European luxury uh, brands are a good way to also get exposure to the China market. The other thing I want to add to Wang Guan is that uh, we have to be careful of not only negative interpretations of the Chinese economy, but overly simplistic ones as well. So, for example, lately, uh, some Western media talks about def deflation in China as uh, the harbinger of doom. And we have to recognize here that uh, a slowdown in inflation or even a, a slight decrease in prices may actually be positive because it's supply driven. So if uh, food, other necessities uh, are not increasing in price as quickly, that actually can be very good for the ordinary person. Similarly, if we look at uh, FDI figures, there's also uh, been a, several articles that this shows uh, how uh, China is uh, losing its appeal for foreign uh, businesses. But, you know, the reality is a little bit more nuanced. So if we look closely at these numbers, what we see is that the one of the most powerful sources of uh, foreign investment in China was for uh, export-driven businesses. But now these have become so successful, they're cash cows, uh, that further investment is not as necessary. We can also look at the original reason many foreign businesses invested uh, in China to access the China market. Uh, but now we see also the rise of many local competitors. And in fact, these companies, especially in the electric vehicle space, are now the leaders and exporting outside of China. So I think um, the point here is that we should not uh, be too simplistic in looking at these headline numbers and dig a little bit deeper uh, to understand the more nuanced causes uh, behind them. Right. Uh, Jiahe, let me turn to you. Despite the record-breaking indicators uh, in many ways, uh, there is a uh, less than you know, optimistic number that is the average per capita consumption during the past uh, Lunar New Year, or you know, the still ongoing Chinese New Year, has actually decreased. The average traveler in China spent 9.5 percent less than they did in 2019. And economists from Goldman Sachs, for example, consider it a sign of uh, consumption downgrading, so on and so forth. Uh, how do you read it? That's for for sure. I mean, you you have like uh, almost a billion travelers this year. Uh, I think it's half a billion somewhere around that. So some people are spending less, and some people are spending more. But the, these two things are actually contradicting with each other. More people are going to travel, and they're going to spend less. So are they confident about their pockets or not? So that's a very interesting thing. So if you look into statistics, you will find a very different explanation about this. The thing is that people were traveling before, were people you know people who were having less money before and they got a rising salary in the past few years because if you look at China's statistics you, you see people's salary are increasing about 5% every year. So they're having a little bit more money now compared with before. So they start to travel and this drags down the average um, spending of the traveling while increasing the total amount of people who are traveling. So this is actually the explanation toward this question. Mm. It's not that Chinese people are spending less while more people are going to travel. These two things are really contradictory against each other. Yeah, thanks so much for these nuanced analyses. Um, um, President Han Huan, Andy, and uh, Jiahe, thank you all so very much for being part of today's discussion. Thank you. Thank you. Before we go, here are a few thoughts. There are so many theories going around about the Chinese economy, 
uh, mostly taking a pessimistic view, if not apocalyptic, about the Chinese economy and uh, the state of affairs of the Chinese society. Some say the Chinese economy is peaking, uh, will never go back to its heydays. You know, the China model has finally run out of the steam. Um, there are a few problems with these predictions. Number one, the West has been predicting the demise, the downfall of the Chinese economy and the China model for, for decades, and they never quite got it right. One thing about the China model is actually its ability to adapt, to, to course correct, to fine tune, to realize its problems and to change its policies to make it work. And number two, some Western commentators, those uh, you know, naysayers and doomsday uh, theorists often zoom in on a very specific sector of the Chinese economy, such as the real estate or a specific set of index, such as household consumption, um, as evidence of their doomsday prediction of the Chinese economy. That ran the risk of losing the forest for the trees. Now, did you know that China's trade with BRI countries actually grew some 20% year on year uh, in the past 10 years? And um, also China is one of the hottest one of the hottest destinations of sovereign funds of the Gulf's oil-rich countries. Now, let's just pray. The year 2024 will see less war and more peace and less external shock to Chinese economy and indeed to economies worldwide. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Wang Guan in Beijing. I'll see you again soon. Once upon a time, in a land not so very far away. Stories were told of the brave and the bold. The whole court fell silent to hear what the great warrior Mulan might ask for. Of mighty deities and powerful immortals. Immediately, the shimmering skin started to grow before his eyes. Of fated love and love sanctified. In dawn's golden light, New Lang said, Marry me. Of great journeys across fantastical landscapes. So the cat and the mouse climbed on the dog's back, and the dog swam across the broad river. In the company of friends and enemies and unimagined beasts. Good to see you. Of ordinary folk with tantalizing stories to tell. Heroes and heroines all. It's incredible. How did you do that? Tales of sad sacrifice and victories snatched from the jaws of defeat. Stories of the wise, the accomplished and the quick of mind. 5,000 years of amazing Chinese folk tales. You'll find Chinese Folk Tales Season 3 wherever you discover your favorite podcasts.